This is Race Talk School Talk, a podcast about race and racism in education. And uh, this is Dr. Chadwick James Galloway. And so it's been a couple couple weeks, been been a little little busy uh, last I guess last month. It's been a month since the the last episode that um, that that I uploaded. And there's been a ton of stories that have been happening across the the educational landscape. Of course, um, you know, folks are, are of course aware, or at least I hope folks are aware of what's going on in in Florida with the uh, the uh, the African American AP curriculum and, and that kind of being removed from uh, from from public education. But outside of that kind of national story, there's there's other small uh, pieces that have been popping up in different places, and so. I guess on this episode, it might be a little rangy, might be a little rangy, might be a few things that I cover that uh, that are just interesting to me that that I think need to be highlighted and underscored. And so uh, the, the first place that I, I do want to start and it's not even, you know, it, it's one of the more fresh. I mean, anything in terms of issues with racism in education is frustrating, but I think it's always frustrating when it in terms of who it comes from where it comes from and why it comes from that place. And so in, I want to say early, mid-February uh, or whatever, there was some reports of Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, who is now at, um, uh, what's that school, CU Boulder, or University of Colorado Boulder. Apologize if I don't have like the proper, I always mess up like, you know, if it's university first or second and whatnot. But regardless, he's he's out there at the University of Colorado and he made some very anti anti you could say anti black. You could say white supremacist. You could say classist statements about some of or about how he recruits football players and so there's no need to 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 really go into reading the the general gist of what he said and 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 how he said it uh but the the sentiment was you know i recruit this type of player for this type of position and i want to make sure that this person comes from a life of struggle or a life of harm or a life where they are hungry and they have to fight to get it. And that's, you know, I, you know, they want he wants someone to be somewhat gritty when they're on a certain position of the football field. And it's always interesting talking about football fields and, and basketball courts and and just sports in general in relation to education, especially in how it kind of works in the U.S. context. But there was a very, very uh, just classist and racialized undertone that he was talking about. And, and so I think sometimes when we have conversations about race and racism, you know, it's common sentiment that black folks can't carry or, uh, you know, black folks or, or people of color cannot uphold or mobilize or enact the system of white supremacist racism or the system of classism. And this is like a key example of that. You know, we have this prominent figure uh, who is stating, hey, if you're a quarterback, I want you to come from this 
nuclear two parent family home and you know i want you to have this sort of upbringing and if you are a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or a linebacker i want you to come from a place where you're hungry and you've been fighting and you've been struggling and maybe this is one of your last opportunities to get it and it's just there's so many negative tropes anyways about the sport of football and, and the relationship to to race i mean we could I could go on and on and on about, you know, why there are so many white quarterbacks and have been so many white quarterbacks historically and how the position is associated with intelligence and other pieces or, or positions on the field are not seen as intelligent or, or is not really seen as valuable. And so I think for me, it's frustrating to hear a comment like this in particular, uh, or particularly coming from a black man, coming from someone who has a very big launch pad and sounding board. And, and, and even looking at or listening to the clip, it's a black man talking to a bunch of white men and they're all laughing and joking about it. And like, it's like, it's, it's funny, right? It's comical. It's, it, there's no negative racial undertones within this at all. And of course there is, and of course there are these racial undertones. Of course it's nasty and dirty and yucky. And of course it's classist. And of course it's deeply, deeply problematic. But in a society where we tend to care more about wins versus losses, instead of the, the character of individuals or the character of the students that we are seeking to uh, build, seeking to grow, it's, it's, it's it's something that's deeply normalized and of course this isn't the the first coach to think this or to say this i mean it is in my knowledge in terms of it on such a public platform but it is one of those things that i'm just you know just roll my eyes and throw my hands up and i'm just you know deeply deeply frustrated by it and so i think that you know hopefully we can people can put pressure on these conversations people can put pressure on how people think and talk about and try to uh, associate race and class with certain positions within within these these institutions right because it is a college and a university and i think the larger conversation there is you know how people may think about people who work on these college campuses or people who attend these college campuses and what they can do, what what certain groups of people um, based on their race, based on their class, based on their social position in the world, what they are able to do based on where they come from. And so to me, it's the biggest crock of, of BS that I heard last month. I was just, just rolling my eyes. I know there's other people that were frustrated by it, but something that really bothered me. Um, because it continues to perpetuate very harmful and negative stereotypes that should be broken down uh, by by everyone, but specifically by, you know, people from and within the community. We shouldn't be extending, you know, that noise. We should be trying to, you know, trying to to change it. But to uh, but to switch gears, since, you know, I'm rambling about this issue there there was a, a couple things that popped up last month uh, well not necessarily last month but in the last couple of weeks that i found really really interesting and so out in uh california there is a high school in la uh, around la i want to say it's like a suburb of la it's called culver city high school 
again, I, I want to say in LA and, and what they did was really interesting to me. What they did was really interesting to me. And I'll kind of explain why, uh, I I've done a lot of equity work, um, in my time in, in higher education and even dating back to, I would say even in K-12, uh, where I've went around to different institutions and talked to them about equity mindedness and equity based programs and things to really improve equity within within the student populations. And so when we talk about equity, it's really making sure that every student has what they need to be successful, but also to ensure that there isn't a, these, these huge measures of unfairness that is happening. And so I think what this school did was dope. Uh, But of course there are people that don't. And so what they did was they, of course are a public high school and they, they eliminated it's honors English classes for for ninth grade, for tenth grade, and they uh, and and what that did is that students are are now only able to to take or attend like a, a college prep class, a college prep English class, and so you know the the decision that the administrators made behind this came from the teachers themselves noticing and seeing and understanding, hey, we have a small number of black and Hispanic students enrolling in these advanced placements, these AP courses. And so this is dope to me. This is dope to me because you have teachers and administrators that are noticing a problem, right? And especially when we think about um, when we think about different spaces and places, so I don't know that the demographics of Culver City High, I don't know the demographics of Los, of Los Angeles, but I do know that there are a lot of pockets and places that are probably, probably uh, predominantly black and brown, right? And we see this happen across the country in different spaces and, 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 and spaces and places where you may have a district or a city or a town or even, you know, in my own experience, a, a community college that is predominantly black and brown. However, people within the program are predominantly white. And it's kind of like a what the heck is happening here? Right. And so I think what is interesting about this particular institution, this particular high school is that they saw an issue and they said, well, wait a minute, instead of continuing to run this course, we need to change our approach because we do not have enough students within this area uh, that are black or Hispanic that are taking it. And so, you know, of course, there are parents that are pushing back against this and I, 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 I empathize or I try to empathize with it. Uh, You know, um, I think it's coming from the mindset of, well, you're taking a resource away from, you know, my child. And I I understand that. And that's all fine and good. But we have to get to a point where we're not just talking about one person or one child or one individual and really come at it from education, from a a really community based mindset, um, from a, a, a mindset of holistic care. And so, again, while I understand, you know, why parents might be frustrated or upset that that this might be this course may be taken away. Uh, I also understand the decision that these administrators are are trying to make. Right. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate because within public education, there, there's 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 no clear cut 
right way to do something. There's no clear cut way to be to be the best public institution when we come into the mindset that all of these institutions are severely underfunded. All of these institutions are severely resourced, at least the ones that are in predominantly black and brown areas, right? It, urban areas, places, rural areas, places of low social economic status, which I'm not claiming that to be the place of, of, of Culver High School because I know that it's middle class. But again, what does that mean for place and space regarding uh, the city of Los Angeles? But again, I think it's important that this decision is being made uh, to say, you know, we want to make sure that we are trying to to offer the highest level and the best level courses for all of the students that were in our educational institution. And if only a select group are receiving these resources, then that's a problem. And we need to find another way to accommodate uh, the, the 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 wider community. And so, you know, I I. I I'm interested to see what happens uh, as, you know, this this kind of case or this kind of issue uh, progresses. And what I fear is rhetoric or discourse around where well, you're eliminating educational, you know, opportunities for gifted students in quotes, gifted students is in, in quotes. Right. Because it's like, what does that even mean? Right. Every student, at least from my perspective, as someone who did special education, every student is important. Every student is gifted. Every student has the right to be in that AP level English or math course. But the trick is, how do we make sure that every student can be successful in those AP and math courses? And so let's not cut that 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 opportunity off from them, but let's form a curriculum and let's form a a pedagogy, uh, a, a teaching mindset, a teaching curriculum where even if it is a student that has a 504 and IEP, that they can um, that they can participate in that course. Even if it is a student that is incredibly, incredibly um, accelerated, that they can still participate and be pushed in the courses and in the programs that they are in. And so I think, you know, the reason why this is dope to me is that, again, you're having this decision kind of being made around race and ethnic lines of saying, well, this is not the promise and the goal of what we believe public education is. And so we need to kind of reshuffle it a bit and make sure that that we are offering the, the 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 right pieces to all of the students here. And we need to make sure that we are truly, truly investing in the, the holistic uh, the holistic being of like the, 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 the black and Latinx students. Right. And so even when we think about places and spaces of like the, of, of who is in the room and who is not in the room, kids see that even as they walk by it. Right. Even for me being a K-12 teacher, it was a, a standpoint of like, oh, well, that's the smart room or, oh, that's the, or, oh, that's the room that, you know, they get taught by this person. And so that means, you know, that, you know, that the, the students in the room are capable of this. And it's such a huge barrier and a huge battle to to break that mindset down and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you're going to go in that room and you're going to be successful, too. You're going to go in that room and you're going to do the work that 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 you can do. And, and we're going to um, help accommodate your needs in that space. And so, again, for me, this is dope. And I understand, again, that there are going to be people that's like, oh, no, that's whack. You're taking away opportunities and whatnot. But again, this is not just about 
one student or 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 a handful of students who again may be accelerated in quotes uh, but this is about at least in my opinion the 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 wider group of um of students who are who aren't even in the course who aren't even able to access this this important resource and so i think it's dope and so another thing that came up in the last week or so that i also think needs to be talked about more you know more and 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 that's super super important is what's going on in philadelphia uh and their special admissions programs and so for me you know i'm i'm not like a i'm not a uh I'm not a pro charter school person. I'm not a pro magnet school person. I'm not a pro vouchers person, right? Like that's not anything you're going to get from, from me or this podcast, right? I would just go off and just say that those things are, um, are like hot garbage, right? Uh, and specifically how, how they were developed, um, post the segregation of, um, of education and Brown v. Board. But, you know, the 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 larger issue when we're talking about Philadelphia is they have this this special admissions program that I want to say they started in uh, 2022. And I and I think one of the things that's kind of happening in that program and and, and like to, to 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 go full pause. Right. Like when we're talking about education, when we're talking about resources like we have to have a conversation about who's getting what and why because because i as i kind of break this story down and kind of talk through it it is mind-boggling even for me as someone who went to a public school and a trade school to think about kids who have access to some of the resources that is kind of detailed and so um there's a a, a philadelphia magnet school Uh, known as like the Franklin Learning Center and they have uh, a medical like assistant program and there weren't a lot of students who were able to qualify for that medical assistant program and so it's like wild in general to have a medical assistant program in high school um, because when you think about it right like there's a there's going to be an upward career trajectory more than likely for some of these students who were able to kind of sit within the the course and so what's kind of happening within you know the 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 program or even with talking about uh, the the admissions, uh, the 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 special admissions within Philadelphia is that previously within Philadelphia, students were able to do like interviews. They were able to complete interviews to get into uh, some of these like elite elite magnet schools, charter schools, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right, and so you know even if because, you know, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these programs are based off of grades, right? Like you're not getting into these elite magnet schools unless you have A's and B's, mostly A's. And if you kind of dip below that a little bit, you know, maybe in your interview, you, you might be able to to kind of talk about, you know, what you might bring to the program or 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 what was kind of happening where you might have had a dip in grades. But in the last year, 
with Philadelphia School District special admissions process, they kind of shut off the the way to do these interviews. And so now it's done completely through lottery and which which basically means that you are more than likely filling out this questionnaire and the 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 central office or the the school district decides where students go. And that's the system. That's a system that is typical across a lot of different public school systems, um, whether it's New Orleans, whether it's New York, whether it's Cleveland, a lot of places uh, with with varying resourced schools have lottery systems. And so essentially what's happened and it's tricky because I'm always an advocate for parents and students having uh, having their voice in in the system and kind of reading up on this issue and, and kind of talking about this issue. It doesn't seem like that parents had a ton of input or a ton of voice. And so, of course, that that's an issue within itself. Right. Um, you know, they, parents and students should always have voice when when they're going to be impacted or affected by uh, a change within the uh, school system. And so, um, you know, a group of parents have recently kind of come out and talked about how there were challenges that they that kind of uh, they've been faced with within the special admissions uh, with the special the change in special admissions uh, within the last year. And so what what that essentially means is that there are schools that were perceived or as elite or that were elite are elite that ne- that do not necessarily have the ability to meet the 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 new student population that they have received and i find that very very interesting um because what i'm getting from this is that okay you have an elite elite institution an elite elite um you have an elite elite institution and you have a uh and you have students who are now able to come to the institution that may not have been able to get there before right because one of the things that kind of pops up in this is that well like oh we were trying to be diverse within these interviews and it was already diverse because we were doing this and that um you know the interviews allowed us to get more diverse students and my question is like did it though did did was that really the case because if that was the case i would i find it hard to believe this this push um this push for this this program but anyways um, so what's interesting is that these elite elite magnet schools, these elite schools that, that were very hard to get into, that were, again, in quote, so racially and ethnically diverse, now are struggling to support new student populations. And of course, um, I do not know uh, the the racial makeup or background of this new student population, because all this stuff is kind of rapidly happening and it's new. But I would be very curious to know what was the racial demographics before the special admission process, particularly at some of these magnet schools, just kind of inferring some things here. And what is it now? What is the racial and ethnic background now? What is the class background now? And so the, the early example of, well, we have this medical program and usually we have students with these grades and they get into the, the program because of these grades. Um, and we let them, if they don't have the grades, we let them interview and they, we let them try to advocate for themselves of why they should be getting in. Right. And so this is kind of 
I, I, and I understand, right? I understand that taking something away like this is is a, a huge deal. Taking something away, meaning the the interview process, because I, I mean they could still do the interview process. I don't think you could you should you should take away the interview process or the right to have the interview process. I think there's a way to do. Uh, I think there's a way to do both, right? But the issue here, I think, for me is not so much about what well, we have this lottery system or we have these magnet schools or we stop doing the interviews, right? The, the larger issue for me is why do we have such a high number of institutions that are unequipped to serve the student populations? Because to me, it shouldn't matter if you are an elite magnet school shouldn't matter if you are CTE training school, you're focusing on agricultural work. It shouldn't matter if you're a STEM school. Like part of the issue that's happening within the, the Philadelphia context is that some of these some of these institutions are struggling to support students. And this is coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, and and the, the quote here is like crazy to me. It says we love our students, but it's just become so challenging emotional support, behavioral issues, academic issues that are so beyond what we are prepared for at our tiny school. In the past, we've had our kids who 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 came and tried to, to drop out and by junior year, they were thriving. But that can't happen when it's the whole grade. And so that's such an interesting comment to me. That's such an interesting comment to me to say, well, OK, yeah, we've had a couple before, but now we have this whole grade of students who, by the way, are interested who are interested in doing the work that this school um, does, but we aren't able to support them. And so then my question becomes like, well, what is the purpose of education? What is the purpose of education? Is it not to figure out how to support these different types of students? Are you only able to teach students that are deemed elite in quotes? Right. Like, are you only able to support students that uh, that that come with a particular skill set? Are you unable to close p- potential, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, gaps that a, a student may come into the educational environment with? It's so deeply problematic. It's so deeply problematic. And so to scapegoat it, right, I think and that and that's kind of what's going on here, in my opinion, um, is that there's a little bit of scapegoating happening. Right. It's that, well, you know, we're not equipped to handle or to teach students who are unable to do X or who can't do Y or who can't do B. And it's just it's 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 falling back on this idea that there is a perfect student and there's not, there's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as that. But if you're an educator and it is your job to, to, to educate, then you have to figure out a way to help these students. If you're such a great and highly well-resourced institution, then there should be people whether it's tutors, whether it's social workers, whether it is um, whether it is, uh, you know, occupational therapists, because you know, all these different groups are used within education, whether, you know, it is uh, whether it's the teachers and the administrators themselves, 
it's it's a conversation on how do we support this new student population and these new student populations because more than likely this system is not going to go away and so when i when i say that there's like scapegoating going on here in terms of saying like well you know we have these type of students and we need more resources to serve them blah 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 i'm like okay cool that makes sense but that means that there's a bigger conversation to be had about resources within public K-12 education. And that is a conversation that we have to talk about, especially in places that are predominantly black, brown, urban, rural, uh, and, and, and low income. That's that's where the conversation is at. And so for me, I guess it's a little bit frustrating to hear like, well, you know, it's the interview. That's the problem. Or, oh, you know, it's the the admissions. That's sure. Both of those can be a part of the problem. And I don't see either one of those as being part of the solution. But what the solution is, is figuring out how do we get better resources in these urban Philly schools? How do we ensure that regardless, again, regardless of the student that walks in the door? Like, I, I don't want to hear about, oh, this student can't be successful in this environment. Oh, this school is not of the level of this student. We don't have, you know, the, the we if if a school or institution is saying that they do not have the support, the 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 academic support, they don't have the social support, they don't have the emotional support to serve these students. That means that the institution is failing these students. That's like full full pause. That's what that means. That's what I hear when when someone says something like that. We love our students, but it's just become so challenging. Is that love? Emotional support, behavioral issues, academic issues that are so beyond what we are prepared for at our tiny school. Full stop. Okay. That makes sense to me, right? But what that also means is that these schools aren't being equitably resourced. These schools that again are that are predominantly black and brown do not have the things that they need in order to be successful. So what that means is that not only is the institution failing the students, but the school district is failing the students. The city is failing the students. It's not the students that are that that are coming in saying like, oh, look at me. I want to have this issue and that issue and da, 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 Right. Like that's so deficit based to me. But the issue in itself. Is that the schools aren't resourced enough. The issue in itself is that each school should have these dope and elite programs. Right. I don't care if a kid it, uh, has in quotes behavioral issues. Maybe the thing that helps them, in quotes, behave is uh, the fact that they have course content that they can look forward to. So for me personally, right, like I was in a, a CTE program when I was in high school. And I mean, there, of course, there's a terribly racialized context that we got to talk about in terms of these some of these CTE programs um, eventually. But, you know, for me, I wasn't a good K-12 student. But when it turned around for me was when I got into a program and I, and I was able to show my talents in the kitchen and then transition to working in very high level, elite level restaurants. And then, of course, you know, I decided that, that wasn't for me and I didn't feel like being in the kitchen all day and hot like that. But 
that was the that that was my break of saying, oh, I am capable. I am intelligent. I can do this. Right. Like maybe I don't understand, you know, all the math concepts. And this is me, you know, in 11th grade. Maybe I don't understand the math concepts, but I can break down, you know, why this piece of fish and why these vegetables should cost this price. And put it on a menu in order to make sure that we are making a profit like that's an important skill. That's an important piece. And so, you know, what, what, what frustrates me here is that when talking about this case of Philly, all I all I'm getting from it is that the school district changed something. People are upset with it because now they have to teach kids that they didn't have to teach before. And a predominantly black uh city predominantly black and brown city right and 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 that's irritating that's frustrating because it takes me back to this place of what is the purpose of education what is the purpose of teaching and it's not just to say oh well i have this elite student or these elite group of students where I have my perfect selection and my perfect crops. And, oh, you know, that means that we can do all these wonderful and great things. And that's not the purpose of teaching. That's not the purpose of education. Cultivating and, and, and cultivating minds and, and growing, helping to grow students and what they feel their abilities are. That's that's the purpose. That's the purpose to me. And so, you know, it's just it's just disheartening. And so, again, you know, there's this language of, well, we have to slow down and we have to alter the curriculum and we have to do this and we have to do. Okay, so do it. Do it. But to 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 have this mindset of, well, my child is advanced, so. I don't care when any, whatever when anybody else's kid gets. That's selfish. It's selfish. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to me. It's not appropriate to me. And that's some of the stuff that's that's happening, right? Under the old system, you know, everything was flowing copacetically. Under this new system where different students are coming from different places and spaces, it's a problem because some some parents feel that this new system is slowing their kids' progress. And so for me, it's like, how do we get back to community-based education, education where people, not just the people in the school, but people outside of the school, care about the student population? Why do, is it the even, why is it the case that we even have such elite magnet schools, elite charter schools to use school vouchers. Why is that even an option? Because it shouldn't be. Because every single school should be resourced the same and should have dope educators and dope administrators and dope teachers and dope school personnel that are equipped and qualified to handle whoever walks through the doors. So unfortunately, that's not like where we're at and that's not the system of education that we've decided to go with. But it's something that I'm going to keep chewing on and thinking about as my own child makes his way into education. Because for me, it's like, okay, cool. 
we got to change up the curriculum so everybody else can eat. Okay, that's fine. Now, if I got a supplement outside of school, you know, if I if my if to to do something like that for my child like that, well, okay, that's a that's a no brainer. That's not an issue at all. That's not an issue at all for me. And I and I hope that there are other people that are like minded and think that way, but not from what I'm seeing. And so I think we have to get back to a place of asking ourselves, what is actually fair? What is actually fair? Is it fair to have a system where everyone lives in the area and they can't, you know, they, they, they don't have the ability to, to, to access the institution with, with that, that they live in. Right. Because these schools, these schools that people are having these complaints about, are and have become more racially diverse. Although some people are saying it's not about diversity, these schools have become more racially diverse than what they were under the interview system, which was supposed to be about diversity, which was supposed to help students get into some of these institutions. And so it's 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 odd to me. And so one thing that I guess I'm taking from this is that like doing racial equity work and even from from the early example, it's messy, it's difficult, it's challenging. It is not easy. Right. That like it's going to take some. Some challenging and tough moments. But are we increasing the percentages of underrepresented students? Are we increasing the percentages of students who didn't have access or didn't have a way to get to this school before? Because from from what I'm hearing, from what I'm seeing at some of these elite high schools, I think one of them is known as Central High School. Black, the black students in in the incoming class was twice as high. The Hispanic students tripled. And so there has to be a conversation about what is really what like what is equitable and what is fair for the larger group and the larger community. And it doesn't mean that every decision made is always going to get it right. It's not always going to get it right. It's not always going to get it right. And it's not always going to get it right the very first time. It's not. Definitely not. However, we have to make an effort to see the racial equity gaps within our institutions and to figure out a way to improve them. And so if that means that we take away an interview system, if that means that we move to a lottery system, and that means that we see the the educational attainment increase, the admissions of students who didn't have an ability to go to, to some of these institutions previously, if we see it grow significantly, that's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big deal. And we have to take that into account when we're talking about more than just someone's child but the children of a community, the children of a generation. And so I get that they may need or they they will likely use like a different, you know, criteria um, in terms of 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 getting students into some of these places and spaces. But I'm always going to be of the mindset to figure out how do we work with the students, the people that may be perceived or maybe at the bottom, 
that may need the most support. And so, and I guess that's why this is also troubling to me because let's say, for example, we have these super, super duper elite magnet schools and we have students who may not be at that level. Wouldn't we want, shouldn't we want, well, actually, I'm not even going to ask a question. I'm going to just say it. I'm going to want the students who have the, the, who, who, who aren't at the top, who may need more support, who may need more instruction, who may need different quality or a different level. I'm going to want them at the best. I'm going to want them at the highest. I'm going to want them in the place where, where they can be as successful as possible. And of course we want that for everybody, but in this highly, highly unequitable um, education system that we have, I think it's deeply problematic to say, well, let's just leave the students who need the most support somewhere else. And let's keep the elite schools for the for the for the elite kids again in air quotes, because I don't really get down with the whole this child's elite and super and all that other mess. Right. Which which, again, stems from my own educational background. But these are things that, again, need to be considered and must be considered and talked about. What does it mean to be fair? What does it truly mean to be racially equitable? Everybody's talking about anti-racism and da 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 but when it's time to actually mobilize something, it's a problem. So I guess I'm rambling. I'm going on and on and on. And I and I think it's just because it's it's frustrating for me. District officials in talking about why they wanted to make this program, they said they wanted to, the school system to be more equitable. To be more anti-racist. They wanted to have students who they wanted to increase access among students they deemed were qualified and they wanted to eliminate implicit bias. Yeah, interviews are cool and all, but there's bias. There's bias. And so I don't think that there's like fully a way to take bias out of the process, right? Because bias is already in it. You're going to tell a kid they can't come to your institution because of their grades. You're going to tell a kid they can't come to their institutions because of, you know, maybe they, they're doing their interview is because of the way that they show up, the clothes they have on, the hair that grows out of their heads, right? Like the, the color of their skin. All of these things happen, um, whether people want to admit them or, or not, right? Things like this happen. And so for me, it's, it's, it's sitting here saying like, yeah. There's a lot of bias in education, even down to how students get graded, even down to, to, to behavioral incidents within the educational environment. And so I guess for me, would I have wanted to see a lottery system? No. Is it working? Possibly. But for me, I, like we just need to make sure that we can offer all of these resources across the spectrum of the institution within the city. There shouldn't be this, oh, we have this flagship elite institution in a public education system. There shouldn't be this, oh, we have this dilapidated system or this system or this school where, oh, this is where all the, the in quotes, bad kids go, the behavioral issues, the academic. What? What are we talking about? Because we're not talking about educating kids. We're not talking about educating children. And that's what it should be about. And so I'll couch it there. 
um, because this is way longer than I thought it would be, and I probably rambled way too much. But um, this is another episode of Race Talk, School Talk with Dr. Chadrick James Galloway. As always, I appreciate you for listening. If, 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 if you have a new story about race and education or a story that you would like to share or talk about yourself, please feel free to drop me an email at racetalkschooltalk at gmail.com. Again, that is racetalkschooltalk at gmail.com. And I would greatly, greatly appreciate um, just the engagement, just the engagement and uh, uh, of that space. So I'll get it y'all next time. Peace.